swing and a drive deep left field. Welcome to the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron. That ball is hit hard and deep to left field. Backing to the track, to the wall, and it's gone! It's a grand slam! Now, Matt Pauley, Mike Claiborne, and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron. Wainwright picks out the sign. The pitch is swung on a miss. Throw to second base. Strike him out. Throw him out. Double play. On the Cardinals Radio Network. We do welcome you into another edition of Countdown to Opening Day across the Cardinals Radio Network. Alongside Mike Claiborne, I'm Matt Pauley. We are coming your way from Jupiter, Florida. Claves, it's good to see you out here. Better to be seen than viewed, especially on a beautiful day that we had here in Jupiter and going into the evening. Uh, weather couldn't be better. Everybody's here for the most part. Uh, it's time to do something, and I guess the next thing we'll do is play catch. Watch guys play catch for a while. Let me ask you this because um, I, I haven't really covered much spring training. This year, there's so many mile marker points. The WBC guys getting in, the rest of the pitchers and catchers, first full squad workout, WBC guys leaving the first uh, spring training games. There's always mile marker points in any spring training, but it feels like this year there's even more of them. Yeah, there really is, and you make a good point. We had a lot of guys that came in early this year to get ready for the WBC, and I think other guys came in because maybe they had something to prove to themselves and to their teammates. And then you have other guys that understand it's going to be so much competition. They wanted to get an early start. Uh, and everybody's got, as you mentioned, a great term, mile marker to look at. And we'll have multiple mile markers in this camp. Uh, you'll have the first one with pitchers and catchers. You'll have another one where the uh, other players will come in. Then you'll have some live BP. And the next thing you know, you'll have games. And then you're trying to figure out what the roster looks like with so many people gone. And then you have that halfway point where guys start to ramp, ramp it up a little bit and start getting ready for the season. Uh, the pitching will catch up to the hitting and uh, it, it's a real fun time to watch the transition and it goes basically every eight to 12 days you'll see a difference in how things work we were talking maybe three weeks ago about getting here early and what that meant to the organization on the first day out here earlier this week we heard both Ali Marmel and John Mosaylock talk about just the culture of guys getting here early. To me, the thing I took away, they notice. They know who's here early, and it means something. Oh, it really does. I mean, and, you know, you have a young team in some senses, but I think because the veterans really set the tone. Wainwright, and I'm going to throw Flaherty in that mix. Michaelis, Goldschmidt, Arenado, those guys were showing up earlier than normal. And I think once they set the tone, the younger guys are like, well, if they're doing it, maybe I should try it as well. And I think it creates a little bit more camaraderie. So many young players that are trying to make the team and get in front of people. You want to get to know who these guys are because, you know, it won't be too long before you'll be in a battle with these guys and you want to know what they're made of. So uh, it, it really starts at the top with the veterans showing, hey, listen, last year didn't end well. We, we, need, to, we need to atone for that. We need to be better. And I'm going to show people that we're going to be more committed. And I think when you look at a guy like Jack Flaherty, who physically is as impressive as I've seen him from day one when he first got here, uh, his commitment and just talking to him the last few days is so solid. I mean, he's really into this, not worrying about a contract, not worrying about free agency, worrying about being the best player he can be to himself and to this team. All that other stuff takes care of itself yeah. if, you, if you do the first part. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Uh, 
Ali talked also this past week uh, about how important it is to instill culture early because a lot of those guys, a lot of those older guys, the Wainwrights, the Arnados, the Goldschmidts, they're going to be leaving with the WBC. And I just, I don't know how they do this, but I, I, I found it really to be an interesting thing that there seems to be a focus on making sure these guys understand the Cardinals' culture before those guys leave for the WBC. You know, that's a great point that Ali made. And, and here's the thing. Okay, your leaders are going to all be gone. Wainwright, Goldschmidt, Arenado, those guys are all be gone. You have a new veteran in Contreras. So who's running? Who's going to run that clubhouse? It's got to be a Flaherty. It's got to be, a t- well, Tommy Edmonds going to be gone. There's Brendan Donovan in his second year being one of the leaders. I mean, you have to really kind of take a look around the room and figure out what guys are going to step up and, and kind of make sure we're all on the same path as far as getting ready for the season. And that will be an interesting collection of players uh, who are going to take over for the veterans who are already gone to the WBC. To that point, though, you learn about guys because there's going to be a guy out there who's, you know, defers when Wainwright, Goldschmidt, and Arnato in there are, are respectful and deferential. But when those guys aren't in there, know that somebody's got to step up. And I think people are going to notice that. I couldn't agree with you more on that. And it, it's almost like every year, if you watch this team in the last few years, there's always been a guy who comes out of nowhere and makes this team and has an impact. You can think about Jordan Hicks. You can think about Brendan Donovan. You can think about uh, uh, Andre Pellante. I mean, there's always been a guy who we didn't have on the radar. Well, he had a good Arizona fall league, but you don't really expect him to come in and all of a sudden he's in the starting lineup. Maybe he makes a team as a bench guy, but when you think about what guys have been able to do in that capacity, uh, it says a lot about their dedication and commitment and saying, I'm going to take advantage of these extra innings I'm going to be able to throw, or I'm going to take advantage of these at-bats I'm going to have, and all of a sudden this guy is penciled in in your 26-man roster, and we never thought about him until we put him in the lineup. Klaibs, there's very few people who have the institutional knowledge of this organization that you have, so I'm curious on this. Um, Wilson Contreras has walked in and said all the right things at his press conference he talked about, watching Albert Pujols hit 695 and wishing he was a Cardinal. We heard him talk earlier this week before he even signed with the Cardinals. He was putting on a Yadier Molina jersey at home and uh, letting his wife take a look at that. Can you ever remember a free agent coming in and just feeling like they were supposed to be here the way he has? No, uh, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that he was a Cub and he faced the Cardinals on so many occasions. And you think about his impact on that organization and probably being envious of seeing the Cardinals in postseason every year and, and knowing Yachty and knowing some of the guys in this organization probably was a deal sealer for him. But you're right, his excitement is, is something you just normally don't see. Yeah, obviously when a guy goes to another team, he's excited because he got a big payday and this and that. But never in the, in the capacity of Contreras, who thought it was a better idea to pass up the WBC in order to inhale what the Cardinal organization was about, learning the pitching staff, uh, showing what commitment is all about. And, And so in my opinion, he's already gotten off to a great start and he hasn't caught one inning yet. It's really interesting to watch it because Man, Cubs fans miss him. They're wishing him well with the Cardinals. Cubs media it, it wishing him well. Like, it just, it really, uh, you generally don't see that. And I think that says a lot about him. Well, I think because he was a good guy. I mean, you know, media-wise, he was a, an accommodating player in Chicago, uh, even when they weren't as good as they needed to be. Uh, he was one of the spokespersons for that team. So he had a lot of people pulling for him to be better uh, and have a better situation. So it's a good deal for him. Uh, you know, he's going to be embraced immensely here. 
and uh, I, I think his spirit would be something that would be contagious, and he's going to fit right in. That's Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. Coming up on this edition of Countdown to Opening Day, Claib sits down with, a, with uh, John Mozalak, the recently extended president of baseball operations, along one-on-one conversation with him. Plus, much, much more is going to be coming up over these next two hours. Don't go anywhere. We are in Jupiter, Florida. This is Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. We are back on Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network alongside Mike Claiborne. My name is Matt Pauley. We do want to let you know that theme tickets are on sale now and feature returning favorites like Star Wars, Grateful Dead, Friends Night, and more. New for 2023, don't miss Harry Potter, Yellowstone, and Emo Night. For all the details and a full list of dates, visit cardinals.com slash theme. And speaking of those theme nights, we're going to have a special guest coming up later on in the program to talk about some of those new theme nights that were just added. But speaking of special guests, there was some big news made here in Jupiter earlier this week. So with that, let's head across the complex. And Mike Claiborne is standing by with our special guest. We visit with the president of baseball operations, John Mozalak, who probably made the first big news of spring training, considering it just started. Congratulations on the extension. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, you know, obviously, this has been something like Bill and I have been speaking about over the uh, last few months. And, you know, it's it's an exciting time to be a part of the Cardinals and, and, and to keep the role I'm in. And, and knowing what's ahead of us is, is something that I take a lot of pride in and, um, I'm certainly looking forward to getting camp going, but more importantly, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I have at least a lot of uh, understanding of now what the next few years are going to look like, and I think that's pretty exciting on a personal level. When did you make the decision that maybe this is something you wanted to continue to do? Because, you know, you've been on a job for a long time, and obviously there are some challenges that might be out there somewhere along the way, but when did you decide this is what I want to continue to do? You know, over the, the, the holidays, I had a lot of time to reflect on, on what I've been doing, what I want to do, and where I want to go. And, and so, you know, as, as we entered January, Bill and I started to talk a little bit more of what this might look like or what other possibilities could look like. And, you know, ultimately, I think when you're looking at, at that word stability, um, by me remaining in place allows for that but also with me on a personal level, understanding that we can still have some change from within the ranks and from what we do. And, and so I look forward to sort of, you know, working through some of that with others and, and you know, ultimately giving individuals a, a chance to grow and experience new things. Yeah, that's a great point you make because you've assembled an incredible staff of people uh, within your own organization and trying to find them engaged and keeping them engaged and also having the opportunity to grow within the company. That's got to be a real challenge for you because you have so many good people. Well, it's tough. I mean, like baseball is, you know, a very traditional pyramid, right? You have one person on top and then, you know, you have that cascading effect. But, you know, I think one of the challenges I have as I start to look at, at the future is is where can I create that, that opportunity or growth for, for individuals in that pyramid. And, and so, you know, that's really the challenge I think I have over the next uh, 20 months or so. And, I, you know, I think it'll be a fun uh, challenge to take on, and I look forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm anxious to watch that situation unfold because, there's also a matter of unfinished business, not just trying to win a World Series, but obviously a lot of things are going on here in Jupiter with the complex and the expansion and things of that nature, which I'm sure you'll probably have more of a fingerprint on now that you're going to be around for a while. 
You know, obviously it's been something on the on the forefront of our thinking of, of what's going to happen here. And there's other things internally that, that we're working on. Um, um, so, you know, now that we know what the future looks like, yeah, for sure. We can, uh, you know, position ourselves to, to at least better better make decisions and be more prepared for those decisions as they come up and i i think you know over the next uh few months it's going to be fun to watch all this unfold you know for you as a person when this contract is over it'll be 30 years within an organization i remember when you first broke in here but you had a career before that in colorado what what's been the one thing that's kept you focused because a lot of things have happened since you first started what's been the one thing that's kept your eye on the ball Actually, that's a great question, and probably one we should have asked earlier. But, um, but in all seriousness, I think like like I always sort of look at like like that fear of failure or, or not being prepared. And, and so, like even though like you've been in a role for a long period of time, you, you, the, I think naturally people would just feel comfortable or, or feel like, hey, I got this. And I never want to have that feeling. And I always want to think that even though I'm signing, you know, multi-year contracts I'm really looking at myself as just day to day and so what I need to do today so I'm prepared for tomorrow and continue and so my mental way approach to all of this is, is to do just that and give myself the best chance for success uh, today and then tomorrow. Let's talk about your ball club for a minute. Spring training is here. Um, I'm not sure in the times I've been coming to spring training that I've ever seen more competition. When you think about pitching, you think about your outfield. I think the safe jobs are on the corners and behind the plate, but I think everything else is in play. And, and I, I should include Tommy Edmond because Tommy Edmond is going to be on the field somewhere, someplace, sometime. For you, is this the most competitive situation you've seen at the start? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, Ollie and I, we were talking the last couple of days about the word competition, and obviously you hear it a lot as camps open up. Uh, you know, 29 other teams are using it as well. But this is definitely a unique one for the Cardinals because, as you pointed out, you could probably, in ink, write down Goldie and, and uh, Nolan and Tommy Edmond will find a place on the field. But in terms of everyone else, it's it's going to be a competitive camp and be one that, that, you know, performance will matter to some extent. Now, we're not going to solely base it on these seven weeks, but the, these seven weeks do matter. How much... Will the WBC have an impact? Obviously, it's going to create some additional innings and some extra bats with some people where you can get a look at. But how much of an impact, considering you have so many people that are going to be involved in it? Well, that's that's probably the the, the one part of this camp that makes it abnormal. And and you know the good news is some of our better players are going to be participating in that. But there are also some guys that are are more in that competition mode, and you know they're not going to be here. And so with them not here. Um, that's going to be a little bit more difficult to follow, but, you know, we'll use our modern tools to do so and try to keep track of things. But, you know, ultimately when they are here, they need to take advantage of their time here. Do you still get phone calls from agents want to get one of their players in your camp? Because there's still a lot of players that are out there. I don't know how good they are, but what about in your situation? Are you still hearing from people wanting to try and see if a guy can come in and try and make a spot? Yeah, my phone's still buzzing. I think, you know, you're starting to – things are starting to slow down in the terms of, hey, I get major league camps come and gone, but can you get them into minor league camp? But the one thing that I've always believed in is when you bring someone into a camp that they actually have a shot at, at getting work in and being able to play and, and earn a spot. And so I'm not a volume guy where it's just simply the more the merrier. I really want it to be, like, intentional and, you know, have some realization of, like, do you have a chance to make the club? You know, it was noted that 
15 years in a row without having a losing season, and I think about Mike Tomlin with the Pittsburgh Steelers in the same boat in the NFL, is there one item, one element that you maybe switched up and changed to make sure that this continued? Because, you know, it takes a little luck. It takes having some really good players as well and having things fall in the line. But was there anything that you decided to do differently to maintain this consistency within the organization? You know, not not nothing that jumps out at me as I'm you know trying to reflect on 15 years and you know what did we do differently or not. And I will say, like when we were you know in the earlier years, we were very aggressive in signing some of our players um, through through at least a year or two of their ARB. We've gotten away from that um, recently. It doesn't mean we won't go back to that, but um, I think part of that was just sort of the uncertainty of exactly what we had. And, you, you know, as we look to, to the future, I wouldn't mind kind of getting back to that model a little bit because that does create some of that stability. But, you know, we created our own stability by going out and trading for a Paul Goldschmidt, signing him long-term, trading for like a Nolan Arnato who had a long-term contract. But, you know, overall, I think, you know, successful teams – have the ability to have that perpetual roster of who you can count on. I've known you from day one, and I finally saw John Mozeliak kind of blush today uh, when the red jacket subject came up. What what would that mean to you at this point? Now, obviously, you have a lot in front of you to continue to do, but when your name comes up in a, in a situation like that, that's kind of got to be awe striking in its own right. No, it does. And look, I mean, honestly, it's flattering, but. You know, I, I, that's not like my mindset. Like, it's not so much of thinking like what that trophy might look like, so to speak, as much as like, let's just continue to work to try to get trophies. And that's how I think we need to continue to think about things. And, and that's how I want to approach it. And, you know, is it a compliment if that happens one day? Of course. Um, you look at the, the, the gentlemen that are already uh, wearing that. And, uh, you know, that's a, an amazing class of, of people that have brought tremendous success to this organization. And, uh, you know, I do have a little smile because I, I have been part of some of them getting here. So, uh, but I don't hit the ball. I don't throw the ball. I don't catch the ball. But, but my point is it's, it's you know, those, those are all very deserving people in that, that uh, hall. Final question for you, for somebody who's listening to this show and listening to you talk. They're coming to spring training for the first time. What would you suggest they take a look at when they come out and watch these players work out or when they come to the games and see people? What would you suggest they take a closer look at? Well, this camp is going to be about younger players. It's going to be about opportunity for younger players. And so anybody coming down here to watch camp, usually you have to go back to the quad to see all this. This year you're going to be able to get a ticket and watch in the stadium. So that'll be one difference. But don't ignore the quad. Because there's there's a lot of talented guys out there, and uh, um, but if you if you like prospects, if you like seeing a glimpse of the future, this will be a fun camp to come visit. Always, thank you for your time. Congratulations on the extension. What size is your jacket, by the way? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, sir. All right, thanks, Mike. Mike Claiborne being joined by John Mosellock, the president of baseball operations for the Cardinals. He signs a contract extension earlier this week, adding two years to his current deal. So now three years left on the contract for Mosellock, locking him in with the Cardinals through 2025. When we return, Claves and I have a conversation with Cardinals radio broadcaster Ricky Horton. That's up next. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals radio network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. 
Countdown to opening day continues here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Alongside Mike Claiborne, I'm Matt Pauley. We come your way from Jupiter, Florida. It may be February, but you have not yet missed out on the opportunity to get your own copy of the 2023 Cardinals calendar as it celebrates the history-making highlights of 2022 and gets you ready for baseball with spring training and regular season schedules. If you haven't picked one up yet, you can get it at area grocers and retailers or by calling 314-345-9000. Alongside Mike Claiborne, I'm Matt Pauley, and we're very happy to uh, welcome in another member of the Cardinals Radio Network that is a radio broadcaster, Ricky Horton, who uh, joins us here in Jupiter. Ricky, it's great to see you. Matt, great to see you as well, and Claves, and uh, isn't it awesome being down here? I mean, it's just uh, one of the great things about spring training is a new year starting and sunshine and players showing up, and uh, I'm just uh, I'm thrilled we're getting going here. You know, I'm thrilled because the weather has been so consistent. I mean, you can come down here sometimes, get a little, be a little breezy, but we're seeing so many guys who got here early, and I think the weather had a lot to do with it, and they're getting a lot of work in. And I said the other day, we could have started spring training two weeks ago because we have virtually everyone here ready to go for different reasons. Yeah, I, I noticed uh, a couple guys hitting on the backfields uh, about a week or so ago, and, you know, it's just encouraging to see that. You see guys working on things and, you know, kind of the uh, the early get-go guy where you say, well, who are you most intrigued about? And I'm sure you have one, two claves, but, you know, Paul DeYoung's back on my list again. I mean, just watching yeah. him hit, and I just, you know, he's dedicated working with Jose Okendo on fielding, and, you know, of course, that's that's been a strong point for his anyway. But, you know, I think there's, I think there's still some upside there, and I don't want to oversell that. And, you know, we, we always say, you know, spring training can be fool's gold. Well, pre-spring training can be also. So you don't want to go jump too far into that. But I'm, I'm intrigued as to what we'll see from him. What's the difference in how guys show up to spring training in terms of being in shape compared to when you were playing? Well, when, when, we, when, we, play, when we played, it's like, okay, time to get in shape. And, and, you know, we would start throwing and hitting you know, around uh, mid-December. So that, that hasn't changed a whole lot. But but I think they're doing it more in earnest because, uh, you know, what honestly, when I remember in spring training games, Matt, uh, back in the 80s, we weren't allowed to throw breaking pitches the first time out. It was just fastball changeup. So you're throwing fastball changeup to big league hitters. I mean, it's hard enough to get guys out. But it wasn't about getting them out. It was about getting command and control of those two pitches, which, by the way, is not a bad idea. Uh, I mean, yeah, you can spin a curveball to a guy that hasn't seen one in a while and get them out so what? I mean, uh, so the idea was to, to to work on those two pitches first, and and then by the by the time spring training was over, be in shape. But there's there's just way more competition right now. If you look at the Cardinals pitching staff, the Cardinals outfield, there's several bodies that can jump in and, and take some uh, take some innings and take some jobs. I've never seen a more competitive spring training uh, in all the years I've been coming. But staying on the subject of pitching, you know, we had a dozen guys last year who had a major league start. And of all those guys I'm looking forward to seeing this year, I want to see Drew Verhagen. Yeah, I, I, I've been paying attention to down here. I, that's really interesting you say that because you know just talking to some uh, people about him and you know he was really hurt. I mean more, more hurt than he really talked much about with his shoulder and his hip and you know and he's a big strong cat. He's got a really good curveball. So you know honestly you, you think about those guys that are going to be jumping back into the mix. What's going to happen with Jordan Hicks? Is he is he going to get back to that form? Jack Flaherty is obviously one of the, a, a, a big upside guy and you know there's so many guys like that that you just kind of can't wait to see pitch and you know I thought Jake Woodford pitched well last year and he's somebody we never talk about but you know there's just a lot of bodies in that mix to uh, be in the rotation and of course the outfield's uh, very interesting as well they're guys that you know have something to prove here I think Tyler O'Neill's one of them I think Dylan Carlson's another 
a guy like Matthew Liebertor, he's always been a starter. If he's going to have a big role in the big leagues this year, it's probably going to be as a reliever when you look at the rotation. Is it a challenge coming into spring knowing you might be a major league reliever, you might be a minor league starter, you just really don't know what your role is going to be? It's a challenge for some people, and I think for other people they just kind of take to it. And I would say, you know, just to give myself as an example, I actually enjoyed that switch, and it was like, oh, this is an opportunity for me. Now, for some guys, they didn't like that. I mean, I think about some guys I played with in the minor leagues who were outfield or infielders and the idea was well you can be in the big leagues if you could be a bench player and it's like well I'm not a bench player they couldn't do that they, they couldn't have five at bats a, a, a week and perform they just mentally couldn't do that and there's some pitchers that are thinking no I'm a starter I'm a starter and so you have to be willing to adapt to that and we always talk about this game being about adapting and making adjustments and so we'll see if he does that and the fact that he's left-handed that's a that's a big deal but he he's got uh, you know he did not have a good year last year he's got to figure out how to get back and compete uh, with with some guys that have uh, frankly passed him do you think uh, in this situation especially now that we've gotten away from the the specialist pitcher Everybody who's pitching now should come down here stretched out, ready to be able to go more than four or five innings. And then if you have to dial it down, you can, compared yeah. to guys who come in and say, well, I'm just here to get left-handers out. You, you can't look at it like that anymore. Well, not with the rules either. The three-batter minimum is part of that. But I think, you know, it, the competition's just so heated right now. And you've got <laughs> every organization has 10 guys throwing 100 miles an hour. So if you want to impress somebody, you know, the, the, the bottom line is getting people out. And, and I'm less interested in swing and miss than other people are you know if I guess if I was managing the big league team I might care about swing and miss I might I want to take all the defensive factors out of the play although you got a lot of gold glovers so maybe you don't have to worry about that so much but a guy like Connor Thomas who's not really necessarily a swing and miss guy I'm intrigued to watch him he was really good in Arizona and you know just talking some with some guys that played with him uh, they, they said that guy's the real deal and you know we know how Arizona can be a springboard for uh, the next level but you know if if we watch him here, he's not going to kind of wow anybody, I don't think. He's he not going to – he gets outs. And, he's you know, he's throwing mid-90s, and that should be wow enough. And he is left-handed. So uh, I'm intrigued by him also. With the overshift gone, are you curious how that's going to impact ground ball pitchers? Uh, yeah, I am. I, I'm, I'm curious how it's going to impact certain hitters too. Are they going to really kind of go back to this feeling instead of having a programmed one swing? And I'm not going to say that negatively. It's just the way the game has become now. It's home run derby in, in a lot of cases. But now that it might be more than home run derby, uh, you know, can I? Will I take the hits the other? You know, the other. Or will I do something different? Will I try to hit the ball in the gap more? And uh, you know, the, think about the gaps for a left-handed hitter. There was only one gap in the last few years because the second baseman was playing in right center. I mean, so you, I mean, you've taken away an outfield gap, and you just wonder whether you know that 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 line drive gap hitter type player, which to me is the most exciting thing in baseball. Baseball knows that doubles and triples are more exciting than home runs. They talk about that at the at the MLB level, and yes, we like home runs, but but doubles and triples have the power to it, but also running the bases and the relays and the speed and the thing that I think people enjoy when they watch the game. So it, it's going to affect the game. There's no question the pitch clock will affect the game. Bases, not so much, I wouldn't think, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. The pitch, pitch clock, um, I think, is going to be one of the more fascinating things, especially for guys who don't have a move to first base. Well, you know, I'm thinking, first of all, about the pitch clock, Claves, is I think the single most intriguing thing about spring training is how in the world is Giovanni Gallegos going to get a pitch off in time? He, he's going to be 3-0 and on everybody. <laughs> I mean, I love, the, I love him to death, but, you know, clearly that's going to that's gonna be adjustment for him. Another guy like that, Dakota Hudson, was a, was a very slow worker as well to the point where he was driving Ollie crazy.
crazy in the dugout. So I'm anxious to see how that works. And the part you said about the move to first base, I think that the key thing is going to be to get, I mean, honestly, I don't, you're going to have to earn this, but get the reputation of a guy with a great move and don't use it. I mean, honestly, I mean, if you use it too much, then you get stuck in that situation where you can't throw over there a second time. So the so I think what it's going to do is it's going to get rid of the uh, the Max Scherzer move to first base where he turns and lobs the ball. And, and you know, that used to be a setup move. The old timers used to do that and then kind of bury one right on the bag. Well, you don't want to waste that move anymore. And, you know, it's not a lot of fun to watch anyway. I'll tell you who had a great move was Marco Gonzalez. He had that how do you do yeah. – Here's the next one over. I know you're there. And, oh, by the way, here's one that's going to send you back to the dugout. I mean, he had, like, four different moves at first, which made him really effective for a guy who didn't throw hard. Um, those guys are going to have to reconfigure how they do that now. Well, think about the coaching of that. I mean, everything that when we talk about players reconfiguring that, that's going to start with – it's going to start with the pitching coach. It's going to start with Dusty Blake. It's going to start with the hitting coaches when, when you're talking about you know how to get ready. You know bullpen coach. How, how, how does Giovanni Gallegos get ready differently? And let and let's kind of go through some scenarios in terms of stealing bases and how we want to hold runners on and how we want to take advantage of the fact that okay this guy can't throw over anymore. Well, what does that mean? Do you take an extra step? Do you do you risk getting picked off? Because you can still get picked off on that extra move. So you, if you if you're out, you're out. But if you're not, you're at second. So here's a question. Let's say you, you, you shot your wide with the two, sh- yeah. two throws, and he takes off. Do you throw behind him, or do you throw to second base? Well, that's a good question. Well, I don't think you can throw to second. You'd have to step off. Yeah, yeah, step off and throw to second. I mean, because you can't throw to an unoccupied base. But it, it, it does create a complexity. There's no question. And you know, one of the things I always felt about uh, moves to first base, especially for, for left-handers, is go ahead and balk. If it's Vince Coleman or if it's Tim Raines or if it's Juan Samuel, I mean, they're going to steal the base anyway. So so go ahead and, you know, cheat a little. And if you get away with it, great. If you don't, then he's going to be at second any, so, anyway. So I think the guys, you know, today's base stealer, John Birdie, is an example of a guy that led the National League. Not a lot of people know who he is, but maybe we'll know more about him because that might be a bigger part of the game. That's Cardinals radio broadcaster, former Cardinals pitcher Ricky Horton joining us here on Countdown to Opening Day as we come your way from Jupiter. When we return, we were talking earlier about those new theme nights that have been added to the promotional calendar for the upcoming season. We're going to learn much more about them. Bethany White is going to join us in just a moment or so. Don't go anywhere. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals radio network. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. Continuing on with this edition of the Countdown to Opening Day show here on the Cardinals Radio Network. That's Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. Cardinals Nation Restaurant hosts Family Night with Fred Bird Wednesdays from 5 to 9 until the home opener. Kids can eat free, meet Fred Bird, play games, and win prizes, reservations, full schedule, and more information at cardinalsnation.com. Well, it doesn't seem like that long ago that the Cardinals were announcing their theme nights for this year. What do you know? They're already adding to that theme night calendar. And to talk about that, we're very happy to uh, welcome back onto the program. She is the theme tickets manager for the Cardinals. Her name is Bethany White. Bethany, thanks so much for taking some time with us. How are you? Yeah, I'm great, Matt. How are you? How's the sunshine down there in Florida? It is. Yeah, it's beautiful. Baseball things are happening. So it just feels like the season is uh, is right around the corner. And uh, you guys are adding even more theme nights for this upcoming uh, season, which I know is really exciting. 
It is exciting. You know, we have so much fun with them. We just keep finding more to add to the schedule. So it'll be a great season coming up, and it'll start, you know, before we know it. All right, let's go through uh, specifically a few of them. Uh, first off, we'll go with uh, Harry Potter night. That's going to be coming up on uh, Thursday, August 3rd against the Minnesota Twins. What can folks expect on that evening? Yeah, we are really excited about that one. Um, that was, you know, sort of the, the right to that property had been one that we've been after for a while. So we're excited to be able to do it. With the purchase of your special theme ticket, you will take home a really unique Cardinals-inspired Harry Potter shirt or Harry Potter-inspired Cardinals shirt, if you will. Um, so that's one that fans are not going to want to miss. Harry Potter would be a Cardinal fan, right? Like if he was real? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And Voldemort would be a Cubs fan. So Of course. I'm not really a Harry Potter person, but I, I think I know where you're going there. So uh, absolutely. Um, Yellowstone, that's like the coolest thing in the world right now. All the cool kids are, uh, are watching Yellowstone and the Yellowstone, uh, uh, you know, the, the family of shows and, uh, Yellowstone fans are going to be able to come together on Thursday, June 29th. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not a cool kid. I haven't hopped on that bandwagon yet, but apparently I need to because everybody says it's the best show. So yeah, Yellowstone fans are going to be able to come get a Yellowstone inspired Cardinals bobblehead that night. All right, so I got to ask you about this one, Emo Night on Friday, August 4th. That's my, uh, that's my birthday, so you're celebrating my birthday with Emo Night. Uh, what is going to be going on that evening? Yeah, so, you know, we do a lot of music nights um, around certain artists or genres, um, and Emo was a genre of music that was super popular in about the 2000s, early 2010s. Um, so we are doing Emo Night this year with a Emo cover band, called Taking Back Emo, and it's going to be a good one. Um, something else really cool that you guys are going to be uh, doing and you're going to be uh, involving the uh, Spanish broadcasters, Polo Asensio and Bidji Molina, Baseball in the Classroom. That's going to be coming up on Wednesday, April 19th. What's going to be uh, taking place uh, for that game? Yeah, that's going to be a really cool experience um, for some Spanish language students who can come to the ballpark and get, you know, Spanish 101 with Benji and Polo. Um, that's something, you know, you'll get to experience their sort of educational style before the game during a pregame event, and then you'll get to stay and watch the baseball game. And I don't know how anyone would want to spend a day any more than that. So that would yeah. be neat for students. Absolutely. Just a couple more things for you. Uh, Budweiser Bash. Uh, this year, the uh, featured individuals, Daniel Descalso, Mike Matheny, Mark Whitten, Brad Thompson, Gary Gaetti, and Brendan Ryan, as fans who purchased the uh, special ticket, are going to get a limited edition bobblehead of that game's featured player. So these are these are really cool. These are uh, bobbleheads that are not super widely uh, distributed, and uh, we know there's a lot of people out there that are big fans of bobbleheads. Yeah, absolutely. We have a huge collector base here with the Cardinals. Um, so we are hoping that they will be excited about these. As you mentioned, none of these items are gate giveaways. You have to have that special theme ticket to get everything we've talked about today. So um, it definitely is more exclusive than the items that are handed out at the gate. And then the last thing, uh, scout nights. There's going to be uh, three scout nights, it looks like, on May 3rd, May 18th, and June 12th. Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, uh, families, friends of the Scouts, uh, a great night for uh, everybody involved in the Scouts to be able to enjoy a baseball game. Yeah, it's a $12 ticket. All the Scouts take home a patch to iron on to their vest or their sash or their uniform, 
and scouts and troop leaders get to participate in a pregame parade around the warning track, which is a really neat experience. So that'll be a great night for all of the scouts in the St. Louis area. Those are just some of the newer theme tickets. Uh, there's a lot of other ones. We've talked about them on this show. If people are interested in finding out uh, the entire schedule and everything you guys are doing from a theme perspective, where can they go to get all the information? Yeah, they can go to cardinals.com slash theme, and all of these themes will be released tomorrow, so tickets will be available. She is uh, Bethany White. She is the theme tickets manager with the Cardinals. Bethany, thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Matt. That's Bethany White joining us here on the Countdown to Opening Day show. My name is Matt Pauley. Mike Claiborne back with us in just a moment as we continue on with the program here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on KMOX. Starting to wrap up our number one of Countdown to Opening Day here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Are you looking for a truly unique event space? Cardinals special events can help to create memorable corporate and personal events in both Bush Stadium and Cardinals Nation Restaurant. For more information on options for an experience your guest won't stop talking about, visit cardinals.com slash events. Coming up in hour number two of the program, Mike Claiborne sits down with legendary Cardinal shortstop Ozzie Smith. He has been in camp working as a guest instructor. It was interesting. Uh, Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel said that Nolan Arenado specifically asked for uh, Ozzie to be in camp and to be in camp for an extended amount of time. And uh, Marmel spent some time uh, talking on Wednesday just about the fact that one of the advantages that the Cardinals have is so many great legendary type players who have played for the team and then they come down and they take part in spring training. So Ozzie Smith is going to uh, join the program. We'll also hear from uh, James Nail next hour. And we've got our weekly snapshot looking back at something uh, memorable that happened this past season. That's all coming up in the second hour of the program. My name is Matt Pauley. Mike Claiborne is here as well, and we will continue on in just a moment. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show right here on the Cardinals Radio Network. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. We are underway with our number two of the Countdown to Opening Day show here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel met with the media earlier today, and uh, he was asked about Ozzie Smith's presence here uh, at camp as he is working as a uh, special instructor, as he does uh, just about uh, every year. And it's clear that Marmel is very happy to have Ozzie around. This is the advantage that we have over a lot of other organizations is the history and tradition of these guys that their ability to come back into camp and speak to our veteran group and our young group um, a big part of Ozzy, like I got a phone call from Nolan Arenado this offseason said, hey, can you please have Ozzy in camp for a decent amount of time? Because it's always good to be able to draw from that that experience and for the young guys to see the Ozzies of the world walking around and some of these other guys. So, um, yeah, I like goes up to me he'd be here every day so with that let's go ahead and hand things off to mike claiborne who is indeed joined by the wizard the hall of famer ozzy smith is here and all right how many spring trainings have you been to as a player and as a hall of famer oh man god it's going all the way back to st pete now you now you then you know that was a long time ago mike this all started for me in uh, 1978 my first spring training with the uh, padres and um 
looking back now and trying to remember um, you know exactly what that was like I, 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 I can remember the thing that I can remember is the fact that I <clears throat> looked around the locker room and I saw Raleigh Fingers I saw Gene Tennis George Hendrick at the time believe it or not was part of the Padre organization um, Oscar Gamble had just come over and all of these veterans Gaylord Perry Dave Winfield of course and that to me was was an indication that I had made it, you know, because here I am sitting in spring training. Not that I had made it, but I certainly had, had taken a giant step toward uh, toward being a big league player. You know, that's interesting you, you say it in that manner because when you sit in your first big league camp, you see all those guys, and then fast forward, you're a veteran, and those guys come in and they call home and say, guess what, I saw Hazie Smith today. And it, I mean, it's, it's a real treat, but it is an indication that you have arrived. Now, the key is staying. Staying, yeah, that, and that was always the key is being able to uh, have a long and, and sustaining big league career. Um, you know, starting out, that was really it, to see how long uh, I could stay in the big leagues and, and stay at a certain level as well. You know, there are a lot of guys that stay in, in the big leagues, but, you know, uh, production and all of that, uh, declines as, as time goes on but for me you know it was all about being a little bit better this year than I was last year and, and that may be a number here or there uh, but it was always reaching reaching up um, and and not looking back. Spring training has changed in so many ways you remember the rubber suits and guys playing themselves in the shape now guys come in they, they've been here for like two weeks some guys have been here two weeks and this is their first official day is that the biggest change you see as far as how guys are already ready to go compared to guys playing themselves in the shape? Well, you know, that's part of it, uh, Mike. I don't think has ever really changed. You know, I think it's always been um, important to the guys that are, are big leaguers and guys that eventually make the Hall of Fame. That Therein lies the difference. Mm -hmm. They come knowing that they, uh, that they should be in some type of shape. They don't get that far out of shape. So that it's not as hard when they do get here to, to be able to get themselves in, in playing shape. And, of course, it's always important to try and get off to a, a good start, you know. And the way that you do that is you, you come to spring training and not just use spring training. Now, back in the day, they had to use spring training to get in shape because they had jobs in the off season. But nowadays, you know, especially with the way guys are compensated, there's no reason for a guy to come to spring training and be told totally cold and have not done anything. And I think that, uh, you know, with the way that, that you can get yourselves tr a trainer now and, and stuff, so you should, should not be that far out of shape when you come to spring training. I think the only guys can work all year to get ready to come to camp or the fantasy campus is not going to make a difference. No. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was at just at fantasy camp, too, and believe me, it is a fantasy. So... <laughs> It was, uh, you know, that's always fun too, and it's great to, to be able to spend time with, um, with with fans and give them a, a bird's eye view of what it is that we deal with every day. And this last fantasy camp, yeah. some of them got a bird's eye view. <laughs> they flew away. Hey, hey, for you, uh, you and I talked the other day about Nolan Arenado. You never met him before this spring training, and, and I found that just to be crazy, but I thought about the COVID restrictions. and yeah. You're on the field on a pregame ceremony. He's trying to get himself ready for a game, so you guys had not crossed paths until now. Yeah, we had not really been able to spend any time together, you know, and of course when you uh, see a player of his caliber, you know, it's, uh, it's nice to be able to see somebody that you know takes a lot of pride in what they do and, and on both sides of it, you know. Uh, 
He's not one of those one-dimensional players. He, he's, uh, he's cut from the old cloth, you know, that, hey, you know, there's, there's two parts to this game. You know, there's offense and there's defense, and you've got to be able to separate the two, and he's certainly one of those players that can separate the two. I would be anxious, and I'm going to ask both you guys, I'm going to put you guys together at some point to find out what drills, what, guy, what did you do to get ready not just for spring training, but for the season. Because I used to watch you take ground balls from your knees, and I've watched him do some similar things. And I'd be interest, interested to see what the drills are still like and have they changed at all. Yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll save that to, that to that moment that we're able to get together because I'm interested as well. Uh, sometimes when I'm just sitting around and I'm thinking, what is it that I was thinking that he may be thinking that may be a corollary to – uh, what allowed us to do what we what we did and and stuff. So uh, it'll be interesting. Um, our conversation. Uh, I have not had a conversation with him. You know, so that'll be interesting for me as well. I'm looking forward to that. You know, we were talking also. You play with a really good third baseman. That I don't think people give credit to. I mean, we've seen a lot of good ones, lot of, yeah. but I think Terry Pendleton is as good as any Cardinal that's put on that uniform that could play third base. And I know, obviously, we talk about Nolan being exceptional. Yeah. Scott Rowland's a Hall of Famer. But I, you know what? Terry Pendleton can play third base for me any day of the week. I could play with anybody. And it allowed me, when you, when you have a third baseman who can go well to his left, who can cover range, it makes it so much easier on, on everybody else. You, you can cheat a little bit more uh, toward the middle, which is your strength side anyway. You know, So uh, the third baseman that I play with, Obergfell, uh, from Obergfell to Terry Pendleton, boy, I, I, I had some good ones to play with, and um, it's now fun watching Arenado play over there. All right, final thing for you, the rule changes. What do you think? I mean, because I know they want to pick up the pace of the game. They want to encourage base stealing. They want to create more action, the shift. So we'll start with the shift. What do you think about it going away? You know, we're blaming the shift. It ain't the shift, you know. <laughs> you know, here again, I think you're stymieing me as a as a player and as a as an organization to not be. If a guy doesn't have the ability to hit the ball the other way, that's not my fault. Because as a professional, you should take enough pride in 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 saying to yourself that hey, I'm not going to allow them to just stack themselves up on one side of the field and play me a certain way. You know that's 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 part of what this game is all about. It's all about hitting it where they ain't and developing that ability to hit it where they ain't. So, uh, you know the the shift. I you know I don't know if we ever really did that big a shift. There were very few guys that you could just do that on. You know, because I think in our generation, it was always the goal of the guy to be as well-rounded as you could possibly be and have the ability to hit the ball the other way. And, and certainly, if, if they pitch you a certain way, you, you as a big leaguer should be able to make the adjustments from day to day as to how they're going to. And, and this is what separates the good from the average and the average from the great. Players is those guys, and when you talk, go back to, to days of Stan Musial and and that generation of player. You know, you th those guys were making adjustments from from pitch to pitch. The great ones are are always making adjustments from from pitch to pitch, and it, they hit according to how you pitch them. And today, I, I'm not sure that guys work on the same things, and that may be where the game has changed. The 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 the, the idea that. All I want to do is hit the ball out of the ballpark. We, we never, I mean, you, you, you can never just limit yourself that way because it just, it, with the way that they pitch you, you know, you've got to be able to, if they're throwing you away, you got to be able to hit it away. And if they're throwing you in, and the way that you 
the way that you bring the ball back to you if you are a power hitter is that you've got to show them you can hit it the other way and then of course they're going to the hit, when they make their adjustment their adjustment is going to be to try and get you inside and that's that's when you do your damage but you can't do your damage without doing your work final question for you we'll talk about the bases the, the size of the bases three inches bigger Big difference for a guy middle infielder trying to make a tag? I mean, is it going to have that much of an impact, or will it have more of an impact as far as guys stealing bases? I don't think that that has anything to do with anything, you know, because first of all, as a player, it was always my job to make sure I touched the bag uh, and turn into double play, you know, keeping my feet there. I did it so quick sometimes. Mikey, I know you never saw it, you know, <laughs> twinkle toes. Yeah, Mr. Phantom <laughs> himself. <you know. laughs> but, no, you know, I, I don't know if making the bases bigger and, and maybe it's this generation of trying to create more stolen bases, more excitement and stuff, because that certainly has become a kind of a lost art, a bunning and all of the little things that it takes to win on a consistent basis, you know, um, you know, I, I think that that's where the game may have changed a little bit. And this is, I think, their way, people who have never played, this is their way of being able to generate more uh, excitement as far as base stealing and stuff is concerned. I don't know if adding three inches is going to allow me to reach around a little bit more or, or kick it any better. I, I, I don't know. Baseball has always had its... It, it's always had its dimensions and stuff, and I, I don't know, think that changing the base is, is going to make that big of a difference at all. I think all I'm going to tell people is just wait and see. Just wait and see, yeah. Always good to see you, sir. Enjoy spring training. Thanks, Mike. That's Mike Claiborne talking with legendary Cardinals shortstop Ozzie Smith, who is here in Jupiter working with uh, Cardinals players. And like uh, Oliver Marmel said at the uh, beginning of this segment, it's such an advantage for the Cardinals to have such a great alumni group and for them to be able to tap into those guys and bring them in as special instructors here in Jupiter. We will take a break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Cardinals pitcher James Nail. He's with us in just a moment. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. We are indeed counting down to opening day here on the Cardinals Radio Network. It is the countdown to opening day show. Not that far away as uh, spring training is underway. We continue to broadcast from Jupiter, Florida. Did you know that Cardinals Authentics is the only place that you can get game-used and autographed memorabilia directly from the St. Louis Cardinals? Visit CardinalsAuthentics.com or visit the store on the first floor of Cardinals Nation inside of Ballpark Village. Well, it has been an eventful last week or so for Cardinals pitcher James Nail, and uh, he joins us right now on the program. James, thanks so much for uh, taking some time with us. How are you? Oh, it's great to be here. Excited to be back in uh, Jupiter and ready to get going. How nice is it? Today is the official pitchers and catchers report day. I know you've been here for a while, but how nice is it for things to kind of pick up and be normal? Sure, yeah. I mean, the energy is contagious around here. Um, you know, when, when you get the whole crew of, of pitchers and catchers going again, I mean, it's, it's awesome to, uh, to be back. How long have you been here in Jupiter? I got here about February 5th, I believe, so I've been here about 10 days. What do you do during that period before things really get going? You come in, you get your work. You, you, you basically want to just try and get acclimated um, before everybody else gets here because it does get a little crowded around here. So um, it allows you to come in, get situated, get some bullpens in um, off the mound and, and get ready to go. We talked at winter warm-up a little bit, and you talked about what you did in the offseason. But what just again, what, what were kind of the focuses for you during this offseason? What were you trying to get better at? I was working on some um, different pitch design things you know that's kind of the 
the future of pitching is all the different design and, and what we can do with the baseball now. So I was uh, working on the pitch shape of my breaking ball and, um, you know, always trying to gain a little velocity and get stronger is, is always something I'm working on. So um, the mixture of the two and uh, excited to get down here and, and put it to use versus batters. Are you able to, from a basically a computer standpoint, compare what your pitch used to look like and the, the curve and the bend and everything and see how much change has actually happened? Yes, I think when I started out in 2015, it was kind of coming onto the, the scene. Um, you know, spin rates were a thing. Obviously, velocity's been a thing forever. But um, now we're able to look at a computer and, you know, very much decide one pitch from another. Even if it doesn't feel much different, we can tell the flight of the ball. We can tell um, the way it's spinning, the axis it's spinning on. And, and honestly, the Cardinals do a great job of, uh, of teaching the pitchers how to, you know, interpret their own data. So it's not just the coaches that know what's going on. The players have a pretty good feel for, you know, what their pitchers are doing. What kind of feedback do you get as you're going through that process? Well, you know, I'm, I'm working on the, the breaking ball shape, so Dusty's right there with me, and we're, I might throw a good one, and, um, and it feels good, and it feels right, and we both nod and say, that's it. So it, I can kind of put that, you know, um, reassurance to, uh, to what I just felt so that you know, I can continue to try and feel that with each pitch. We were together on a Cardinals caravan, and we were in your part of the country, down in Cape Girardeau and some other places. How much are... I mean, we're into baseball now, so maybe it's not the time to reflect, but how much fun is it just being part of the Cardinals organization, being from where, where you're from, seeing family, seeing friends, just everything that goes along with that? No, it's a blast. It's something I, I don't take it for granted. My support system back home is incredible. Um, the whole area, the whole state of Missouri is, you know, they've always taken care of their own. Um, you know, I remember when David Freeze was just an absolute force and St. Louis just loved him and still do. And, uh, you know, I'd felt that to a certain extent for sure and it's it really is special to get to play for your hometown team or your or the team you grew up rooting for that's something that not very many people get to experience so i'm very fortunate and it's it's a lot of fun i'll tell you that there is the business side of baseball and you've experienced it in your career uh cardinals are your second organization and then recently you were on the 40-man roster they needed your spot you stay in the organization but how how challenging is it going through that i mean that's real world real life stuff yeah that's hard uh this was the first time i've ever dealt with, you know, uh, uh, being designated. Um, that's something that, you know, a lot of people experience. It's, I'm certainly not the first person that's ever happened to. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it is tough to stay mentally strong and stay confident um, in your abilities and, and trust in yourself. And, um, yeah, there's no denying that it's tough. But, you know, ultimately um, you come out and you got a job to do. And, and, you know, I feel right at home with the Cardinals. I know that, you know, it, there is a business side to it. So, you know, you come in and do the best you can and, and see where the cards fall. Not to put words in your mouth, but I, I have to think in many ways you walk in here knowing if you pitch well in spring, if you pitch yourself onto the roster, or even if you end up Memphis and do well, there's still absolutely opportunities for you to be put back on that roster. Sure. Um, yeah, you never know. I mean, uh, I think when you when you get designated, it, it, it stings for a little bit, but you're definitely not out. You're, you know, your career is not over, even though it might seem like it for a day or two. Um, and that's kind of what most people don't understand is, is um, you know, the, the mental side of, of just how challenging that is. But like I said, definitely not the first person that's happened to. Uh, life goes on. You just put your cleats back on, do the best you can, and, and uh, it'll, it'll play out how it's supposed to. You talked about Dusty Blake earlier. We're still really early on in camp. But do things feel different at all with him being in that lead position? He's great. I mean, I think all the players really enjoy Dusty. Um, he's so professional. He's so um, – you know, just he's just very sharp. He's a very sharp baseball mind. He's a lot of fun to work with. He, he does a really good job of explaining things and 
I think he genuinely wants to help each player, you know, maximize what they're capable of. So it's it's a real pleasure to get to work with somebody that that cares that much, and uh, and I think he'll be great for us. There's a ton of opportunity this spring, in large part because of the WBC and the Cardinals have so many players that are participating. Do pitchers, and not just pitchers, position players, is this a camp that you look at as there's an opportunity to get even more opportunities? Definitely. Um, you know, you, you come into this camp and you don't want to treat it any different than any other camp. You don't want to, you know, just because there might be a few more innings on the table, um, you still prepare the same way, um, you know, which is, which is taking it as serious as possible. Um, and I think everybody, you know, with, with technology and there's so many good gyms around the country now, I mean, I think most people come in really very much ready to roll um, from day one. So it allows, uh, it allows you a, a little more of a look this year, which is great and, you know, be a good opportunity for guys maybe, you know, either not on the roster or guys on the roster that, you know, are fighting for that uh, opportunity. So um, it'll, be a, it'll be a great spring, very competitive for sure. Great to see you. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Matt. That is James Nail joining us here on the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. Theme tickets, they are on sale now and feature returning favorites like Star Wars, Grateful Dead, Friends Night, and more. And new for 2023, don't miss Harry Potter, Yellowstone, and Emo Night. For details and a full list of dates, visit cardinals.com slash theme. When we return, it is time for our weekly snapshot. Looking back at a, a great moment, a great game, something memorable that happened during the 2022 season. That's next on the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. Countdown to opening day does continue here on the Cardinals Radio Network. We are broadcasting from Jupiter alongside of Mike Claiborne. My name is Matt Pauley. It is time for our weekly snapshot where we look back at a game, a moment, something notable that happened this past season. And this week we are going to focus in on the three-game period where Corey Dickerson was absolutely unstoppable. It seemed like nobody could get him out as he ended up with 10 consecutive hits in 10 at-bats. We'll go back to August 23rd. This is a game that the Cardinals defeat the Cubs by a 13-3 score. In the second inning, Corey Dickerson comes up to the plate. He ends up flying out. That would be the final time he has put out in quite some time. In the fourth inning, he would come up with a base hit. That's hit number one. Then in the fifth inning, he doubles. That's hit number two. In the seventh inning, he gets another double. That's hit number three. And then in the ninth inning, he gets a single. So that's hit number four. On that August 23rd, Dickerson finishes the day four for five, scoring two runs with an RBI. And afterwards, he talked with our own Mike Claiborne. Our player of the game is this evening is Corey Dickerson, a four-hit night, and uh, since the All-Star break, you've been lighting it up when given the opportunity. Yeah, it's, it's just going out there, freeing your mind, uh, knowing what you're capable of. Uh, sometimes you can lose uh, confidence by the role you're given or not the opportunities, and uh, it's good to just go out there and compete and have a free mind. Compete, free mind, that means you're not trying to overthink this situation. Yeah, for sure. I'm trying to, I'm trying to drive the bus, so to say, you know, like I think I can... I can carry a team for a while uh, when I get hot. I've done it many times in my career. There's no reason I should doubt myself. And, um, you know, just because everything don't work out the way you want it to don't mean you quit trying to give up on the gift that God gave you. So I just keep uh, keep being persistent. Aside from the injury, that calf injury was bothering you quite a bit during the course of the season. What other adjustments have you tried to make along the way? Man, a lot. Um, I've tried a lot of adjustments, but 
if you only play every now and then, you're trying to be perfect and you're trying to get that A swing off, um, trying not to go in a shell and just try to get a hit. And then you get two at bats or three at bats and it don't work. You're kind of you're kind of overthinking it. So now it's just going up there trying to hit the ball hard. Uh, you live with the results, and if you put in the work, you can uh, lay your lay your head down at night. Well, enjoy tonight, and let's look forward to tomorrow. Let's go out and do some more business. Nice work tonight. Thank you. Let's do it. So that takes us into August 24th, a game that the Cardinals do end up losing to the Cubs by a 7-1 score, but not because of the efforts of Dickerson. He continued to absolutely do nothing but hit. He would come up for the first time in the second inning. The pitch. A swing, and the ball's hit down the right field line. That ball's going to the wall. Dickerson is going to second base. Velasquez picks it up, throws in, and holding with a two-out double, Corey Dickerson. Five straight hits at this point for Corey Dickerson. Certainly not done on this day. In the fourth inning, he comes up to the plate once again. Here comes the 2-2 pitch to Corey Dickerson, and it's hit into right field. That's another base hit for Dickerson. This man is unconscious. So a two-for-two start for Dickerson on that August 24th. He would come up to the plate once more in the sixth inning, and he would come through once more. On 0-2, the pitch. A swing and a line drive hit to left field for Dickerson. He's 3-for-3 and has been retired just once in the last two games. How about that? And that was on an 0-2 pitch. And then finally, Dickerson gets his final at-bat of the day in the ninth inning. The Cardinals won three out of five the five-game series we played here the first time. There's a base hit to left. Four out of four for Corey Dickerson. How about that? He beat the shift. Eight straight hits for Corey Dickerson. Dickerson goes four for four, so over the course of those two games, he was eight of nine, and that moves us into August 25th. Cardinals continue to play against the Cubs. On that August 25th, they would come away with an 8-3 victory, and Dickerson would just continue to hit. His first at-bat comes in the first inning. A long pause and the pitch, and there's a ground ball. Base hit left field. Coming around third base, being waved around Donovan. Here's the throw from half. Cut off. one nothing Cardinals. Nine consecutive hits for cleanup batter Corey Dickerson. Nine consecutive hits for Dickerson. He's not done. Back at the plate in the third. And the next pitch is grounded hard up the middle. That's a base hit. Ten in a row for Corey Dickerson. As he smoked that ball right past Stroman and a diving shortstop corner. And that is ten straight hits. The longest streak in MLB since 2018. That was Jose Altuve as Dickerson comes through again. So that's 10 straight hits for Corey Dickerson. His next at-bat would come in the fourth inning, and the streak would come to an end. Third, Dickerson at the plate, and the pitch is grounded to the right side, and they're going to have a play at the plate, and Donovan is out at the plate as he was going on contact to avoid the double play on the ball hit to the first baseman, Wisdom. That was the right play. So Dickerson's streak is stopped. He reaches on a fielder's choice. He would get one more at bat on that August 25th, and he would uh, not get a hit. So he finishes that day three for five. Over the course of those three games, he goes 11 for 14. That's good for a 786 batting average, an OPS of almost 2,000, 1929. And over those uh, few days, he raises his average from 232 to 278. It certainly was a sight to see as uh, Dickerson was really good. He also makes a little bit of history. He sets an expansion era franchise record for consecutive hits. 
10 in 10 consecutive plate appearances. And that is this week's edition of Snapshot. This is Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. We are back on the Cardinals Radio Network. It is Countdown to Opening Day. Cardinals Nation is the official St. Louis Cardinals fan headquarters across the street from Bush Stadium. Cardinals Nation is the spot for food, family, and fun. While you're there, visit the authentic shop and the Cardinals Hall of Fame and Museum featuring the special exhibit celebration 1982. Visit cardinalsnation.com for more information. Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel speaks with the media on just about an everyday basis here in Jupiter during the duration of spring training. Wanted to pass along some of his thoughts from uh, earlier today, specifically when it comes to uh, some individual players that he talked about, starting with uh, Nolan Gorman and how he is very encouraged by how Gorman looks. Gorman looks good um, physically, and his swing, it looks different, and I say that in the most positive way possible. Um, when you have a conversation with a player and say, here's what you need to address, and you're very clear and direct about it, and he comes back with that answered in the way he looks and the way he's going about it, that's encouraging. And he's one of the ones that, uh, that sticks out to me at the moment. Yeah. Another very important player for the Cardinals this year is Jack Flaherty. He appears to be healthy, and Marmel says that Flaherty being healthy makes all the difference in the world. When you're not feeling right, it's, it's hard to have confidence and just that overall presence that you're typically used to taking the mound with. And this is a guy that uh, was had a couple different issues um, that kept popping up that didn't allow him to be who Jack is. So the fact that he's feeling strong, he's feeling healthy, will allow him to have that presence and overall confidence leading into his sides and lives and then into the games. So we're looking forward to seeing that progression. The biggest offseason acquisition was catcher Wilson Contreras. He's been here for a while. He decided not to play in the WBC. He wanted to get to know all the Cardinals pitchers. He's fitting in so well. And uh, Marmel is nothing but impressed so far with what Contreras has brought. Way more personal than you would think uh, from playing against him across the way. Uh, this guy cares, and not only about himself, he cares about his teammates and learning his teammates. Early on, right after we signed him, the first thing he wanted to do was basically um, get video and intel on each one of our guys, scouting reports on each one of our guys to learn them better and make sure that he's prepared coming into camp so there wasn't a learning curve once he got here. But this is a guy that truly cares um, and it's intentional about kind of the conversations he's having and who he's connecting with, but uh, fits in well. A couple other things wanted to play for you from uh, Oliver Marmel. There is so much competition uh, in this camp from an outfield perspective, middle infield perspective, pitching perspective, battles for roster spots, battles for innings, battles for at-bats. And uh, Marmel made it very clear he wants players to embrace that competition. If you look around the clubhouse at our best players, they, they're never comfortable. And um, I'm curious to see who comes in with just – pedal down um, making sure that they win a job and uh, and who doesn't and that's before we even start competition as far as games so uh, that'll be a big part of it just uh, overall demeanor and competitiveness as far as how guys come in but I'm looking forward to that part of it and part of embracing that competition is players having that edge right at the beginning of camp it's not so much physically as much as mentally Uh, we want to ramp up appropriately and make sure that everybody still stays healthy but from a mindset attention to detail to the intricacies of the game that the, the little nuances that can be overlooked early on if you're just comfortable those are the things that we're wanting to spot and make sure guys are dialed into those small little details so 
from a mindset standpoint, we want the intensity and just overall intent and intentionality to be there. Um, physically, that'll, that'll naturally come. Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel speaking earlier today. We will take another break, and when we return, Mike Claiborne rejoins the program. This is Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. We are starting to wrap things up on this edition of Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. Alongside of Mike Claiborne, I'm Matt Pauley. Claves, we heard earlier your conversation with uh, John Mosellock. And you know, one of the things that really jumped out at me as he spoke with the media, he's got now three years left on his deal. But man, there was a lot of talk about where the organization goes beyond him and kind of his role in helping the organization identify the people who need to step up. You know, it's a good situation to be in. Um, you know, John has really put this thing together in a manner where there are multiple people who are in a position to, to take over uh, and, and maintain the template that's been established. Now, I'm sure when whoever takes over, and that's down the road, they'll tweak it a little bit because the game will, will require that. But overall, the way things are working, I think Mo wants to step back and get involved in some other projects because he's, he trusts the people he has working with him now, and, and they can assume a lot more responsibility. Uh, it, it's a good situation for the organization, and, you know, when you think about what he's had, his impact, never having a losing season, being in postseason most of the time, uh, engineering some of the greatest trades in the history of this organization. I mean, you think about Arenado and Goldschmidt and, and Wainwright, three deals that he was involved in, uh, as an assistant general manager with Wainwright. But when you think about all the people that he's been involved in in the growth of this organization, I mean, his fingerprints are all over it. And now he's been able to develop a core group of other people within the organization that understand what it takes. And I think he's leaving this organization in good hands uh, well beyond. Uh, I think the biggest project he's going to undertake, obviously, is maintaining the competitiveness of this team. But, you know, they're going to do a whole new build-out here in spring training here at Roger Dean at the facility. And that's going to require a lot of time and attention to make sure it's done and done in the right manner where this place will still be relevant 20 years from now. I was thinking about this. The Cardinals spend money, but they don't spend Dodgers money. They don't spend Mets money. Is there another organization in baseball, maybe Tampa to a certain extent, but even Tampa, they have step-back years. The Cardinals don't have step-back years. Is there another organization that does a better job of being relevant every single year without the big-time, big-money resources? No. Uh, there have been some teams that have tried it, uh, but I don't think they've had the consistency that the Cardinals have been able to maintain. You, you bring up Tampa Bay. Uh, they did it on the low end because they didn't have a choice. So they were important in making sure they did a good, good job of scouting along with this. The Cardinals never had that top-end draft choice. They were always drafting in the 20s, okay? They never had a crack at a guy, a second or third pick like Tampa did, and Tampa was able to really build with them, those players. Uh, I think the way they've done it and remained consistent and not had the rebuild says a lot about what they've been able to do from a scouting standpoint and a development standpoint. They will put guys on. If they draft you, get ready to be on the fast track. They do not baby guys. I mean, the the one guy, and I think the best example is Jordan Walker, 20 years old. He's on fast track. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a guy that can make this ball club and, and probably will. And you have a lot of other teams that, well, we want to bring them along. And now teams are a little bit more adventurous where they'll run a guy out there. But I really feel like the way they've been able to maintain and not, as you mentioned, spend Dodger or Met money 
uh, just says a lot about the whole organization from a scouting to development and tradition that has made the Cardinals probably as unique of an organization as there is maybe in sports. Because if you look at every other sport, and the other sports have salary caps, okay? So that kind of slows you down as far as what you can do. We don't have salary caps in baseball. You may have a budget, but that's different because you're not accountable to the league. So in this situation, you just have to be smart with your money and not, I I guess one of the things, and he kind of talked about it the other day, you don't react to what somebody else does. You know, we, oh, they signed this guy. Oh, we got to go out and get that guy. The Cardinals have never done that. They say, well, that's great that they got him, but this is what we're looking for, and we're going to find a way to make that work. You mentioned the build-out, and they're essentially, outside of the actual stadium, they're, they're tearing stuff down, and they're rebuilding everything. In two years, this is going to look like a completely different uh, spring training facility. But we're at a place right now, especially when you get down to Arizona and see some of the facilities that have been built out there, it's an arms race when it comes to these spring training facilities. Well, it really is, and, you know, you need land because you want to keep everybody under one roof. Uh, when it comes to your minor league operation and your your rehab areas and things of that nature, your instructional leagues, you want it all under one roof. Uh, weight rooms have become more in vogue these days because guys lift weights more. You've got more of a performance side of the organization that needs more space. Uh, the clubhouses, you know, some of these clubhouses are palatial uh, when you look at the big leagues down here. So they're just trying to keep up because you have to remember, they really haven't done much other than paint this place since 1998. They've always maintained it in a very clean and ethical manner, but never from a structural standpoint have they made a lot of improvements. So it's a good time to do it. And it'll take a year and a half, maybe two. I don't know where we'll be working out next year, but get a good look at this setup because come May 1st, it all starts to come down. I always think it's important that people understand the implications of all this. There's an office building across the way where the media room is. They've taken out some of those offices and put a minor league uh, strength room over there. Next to uh, our studio over there, you can hear guys throwing weight around. We're looking at a tent right now where there's bikes out. I mean, they are, they're trying to build out in the most creative ways possible. That's not sustainable. No, it's not. I mean, and, you know, players... You pick the sport, and for some reason, recruiting now, when you look at college and you look at free agency and different sports, they're always trying to improve the facilities because they want to be one step ahead of the next guy and make it feel like a place you want to be at before, during, and after the games. What's the thing in this next week that you want to see? Nobody get hurt. (laughs) I think that's a good start because, listen, all we're going to do is watch some guys play catch and see uh, how – their fastballs working and this and that. There's not going to be any hitters in the box. They're not going to throw a lot of live BP. You just don't want anybody tweaking anything. You don't want to hear a guy talk about he had a twinge in his elbow. You start talking about that and you just get the Tommy John thing set up. So I think the key is just don't get hurt. That's Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for uh, being tuned in this week. We'll be back with you next week for another edition of Countdown to Opening Day right here on the Cardinals Radio Network.